1: welcome everybody all right we're talking today about problems with authority and let me tell you we are in the day and age of anarchy i mean people are and i know it's so obvious but people are absolutely out of their mind uh, on one side or the other especially now that we're in a political year but anybody that takes authority immediately people have a problem with authority. And so it's a pretty amazing thing how this all works out in our culture. I mean, without authority, we get anarchy. And, and, and people need to begin to understand that. And anarchy comes with a lot of poisons to our culture where all the rules get thrown out and now suddenly people aren't safe having been to third world countries around this world, I can tell you if you don't have, especially like police, then you're going to have to be your own police. And that means you're going to have to develop loyalty with people around you. And you're going to have to develop your own security system and how you're going to protect your family, especially out in uh, the social world. Because, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, In a third world country, you're not going to find people that are going to be learning how to go to the Mars or go to the moon. They're not going to discover new technology. They're not going to learn how to adapt the land into something that's even greater because they're not going to have the education system in order to do that. Because in a third world country, you have to worry about safety, 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 the basics. Faith is a big deal because you have to have faith in order to go out and face the world and deal with people. People that are, that are nasty. I mean, there is an antisocial part of every person. There is a lot of anger out there in our culture and in each person has their anger points where they feel disrespected in some way or they feel fear in some way. And it's pretty amazing that when you take people out of work for as long as we've done that and hurt people's lives enormously by uh preventing them from having any will free will or freedom in this culture you're creating a lot of angry people who, yes, they adapt. Yes, they know it's common sense. But at the same time, uh, they're afraid because they may not have a job or they may not have an income. They may not have insurance. They may not have a home now. Their whole lives get turned upside down. Maybe they're driving an old clunker that's about uh, that's t- stopped working and now they're stuck having to, to get on a bus with a bunch of crazies. You know, it's it's sad. It's so sad that in this life, people can't begin to look. Look to the positives out there and all the good things that are, are available to us and begin to live more optimistic. I know living, having lived in the, in the 60s, uh, not, I was born in the 60s, and, and through the 70s, rebellion was the big deal. I mean, it was a big deal. But in the end, there always came a balance. Unfortunately, a lot of damage came from those periods when people threw out the rules, had love babies, uh, you know. And, all kinds of crazy uh, uh, income issues and and living in tents and living in buses. And you know, it's it's just amazing that we're back to that, that we haven't learned anything. And now people are basically blaming history. And blaming a lot of things on history as a reflection as it's endorsing uh, being prejudice or endorsing our politics. And it's just amazing how people can mix things up and basically gaslight each other. To the end of time and people are getting better and better and better at it. You know, it's clear to me that people are not specifically aware of giving their power away, which makes it difficult to remember to wake up and make a ch- different choice. You know, it seems almost natural for many of us that the person in leadership gets their way as, as that is simply how it's how it is, not a choice made by humans, which can then be made differently. You know, so many times we hear that it, it, it simply didn't occur to someone that they could say no or could ask a question when they weren't clear about something or make a request to do something different than what has been proposed. And so these kinds of interactions uh, take place not only within the context of the organization in which someone is a leader, but also regularly experiences them in the context of meta let's say, uh, workshops, uh, uh, talking in, in conferences, networking, learning how to shift. Uh, from power over people to power with people. And I've always said this as far as managers are concerned. There's usually two types of managers, and this is a stereotype. But one of them is a power manager. They want to walk all over people and get to where they want to get. And the other is an educational leader, and they move a lot slower through organizations. Organizational leaders uh, that are educators tend to empower people and teach them the tools that they need to take over The leadership and take over in society and be productive, you know, disempowerment and having our power taken away is deeply ingrained us through through home and school to such a degree that the consequences are now internal. No one. Has to punish us anymore. We suffer when we challenge someone in authority because of the doubt about whether we really matter. And because we are afraid, we would be perceived as rude. And so taking up too much time or space or not going along with the program. In short, we are afraid of loss of acceptance and shame more than our specific consequences. So, you know, humanity is invisible in small ways. You know, there's there's all kinds of examples uh, of when we're in groups, how we tend to fall into the rules of a group and how we tend to shut down ourselves and quietly and angrily participate in a group. And we may not agree with everything that's going on, but then we fall into that group mentality herd. Um, it's really interesting now that uh, church is online uh, that we don't have any social ticks now. We don't have any social uh, uh, ways which we have to participate in church. Now it's more about the relationship with God and the relationship with what we're listening to when we're hearing a sermon. And that is empowering to the individual. And now that we've had a lot of time on our hands, people are reevaluating how we socialize and how we interact with each other. And we are in a great big Uh, a, a sea of change that is happening nowadays some people are angry some people think they have to assert themselves no matter what Some people are overbearing. Some people follow behind the COVID rules and start ordering your kids around and doing crazy things. But it's amazing that we are in this period where we're going to have to, as a society, reset the table on what we expect from our leaders, what we expect from our government, and what we expect from each other. And, and, you know, rebellion and defiance is, is the way out of the dynamics of power You know, unlikely, uh, uh, one of the early lessons that we learn is is that rebellion keeps the existing terms of a relationship. Even if you choose not to do what they tell you to do, even if I'm bold enough to risk the consequences, I'm not questioning the fundamental logic of how we relate to each other. And so this is a hard lesson to grasp, meaning that as people that communicate, as we communicate, we're responsible for how we communicate. Are we going to be respectful or are we going to be rude? Are we going to be authoritarian or are we going to be diplomatic? And are we going to be democratic, meaning that we take more than one opinion in? You know, it's really hard to grasp, You know, that people look at rebellion as disobedience, but rebellion just can mean I have an alternate opinion and that needs to be heard. And that's important. And we in society are terrible listeners, very impatient people, and we have a tendency to shut down uh people and 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 not listen and that in itself causes them anger and then they begin to rebel and so it's important for us to listen listen and then take that information in and assimilate it and that doesn't mean we agree but we can certainly validate different points of view i understand i hear what you're saying all right so you got this going on you know rebellion against power sometimes takes an entirely different form where, where that is being rejected of the whole idea of leadership and power, not just a particular leader or a specific action, you know, the, this this kind of ethos uh, is understood to have operated with like the the encampments that we've had. Uh, chop and all that stuff. You know, and then we look at the the Black Lives Matter. Well, of course they matter. Of course they matter. And I think everybody in this world that's non-prejudicial or non-culturally aligned is going to basically say the same thing. But, you know, we have to put it on a billboard and I don't know what we think we're accomplishing because you're not going to change the people who are prejudicial. They're going to be prejudicial, but they're going to eventually, and they're already a huge minority, but they're going to eventually go away because we evolve as creatures and we know as a world that we all have to work together without prejudice, without the need to have energy against someone. We just need to be more respectful of each other and listen. You know, there's a lot of understanding of how to transcend power. But really what we have to be understand is transcending to a power position is always better accepted when all opinions are heard. And and, you know, I have to say that the greatest leaders are the ones that people have the most opinions against because they take a stand but you know you're foolish to think that they don't listen to experts you're foolish to think that someone in a leadership position is not willing to hear other people's point of view there are leaders like that that are abusive but eventually they get out of power because they don't run an effective organization and so we have to look at ourselves and go we all have this oppositional defiant adult within us an adult with a, a and an oppositional defiance may feel mad at the world. They may lose their temper regularly, even daily. And this can manifest in road rage and verbal abuse, and it may cause tension from authority figures, trouble at work, can't stay in one job because you, you can't stand authority. And so, uh, it, it, this might tear apart a lot of relationships in a person's life if they decide to be oppositionally defiant. And, and But what we need to know is we need to become more aware of what oppositional defiance in adults is. Adults with oppositional defiance display a pattern of negative, hostile, defiant behavior that lasts at least six months and includes four uh, other symptoms. And this is a diagnosis, by the way. They often lose their temper. They often argue with family and coworkers. They actively defy and refuse to comply with rules and laws. They deliberately annoy people, they blame others for their mistakes or their misbehavior, they easily are annoyed by other people. They're angry, they're resentful, they're spiteful, they're vindictive, and adults with that are more than just aggressive and irritating from time to time. They feel mad at the world every day and lose their temper regularly, and this may manifest as verbal abuse, road rage, whatever, but adults with ODD defend themselves relentlessly when someone says they've done something wrong. They feel misunderstood and disliked, hemmed in, pushed around, but ultimately, they can't take accountability, and that is not an adult. That is a child. And oftentimes, these people, part of their life is stuck in their childhood and they're just doing the same behavior they did then, but they look like an adult and they pull it off on other people and hurt a lot of people. You know, constant opposition to authority figures makes it difficult for people that are adults to keep their jobs, to maintain relationships and marriages. Well, constant opposition that we've witnessed in the last four years has caused enormous amounts of problems in our society, creating a whole tribe of people in every state of our country and people all over the world developing this ODD. And now, of course, we're all unstable because ODD people can't keep a job. They can't keep a marriage. They can't keep an economy. They can't keep order. They're just angry, and, and they do everything about their feelings, but don't do anything about common sense, and that is your thoughts. And so, you know, it, it's the, these folks see themselves as mistreated, they're misunderstood, they're unappreciated, and they see themselves as a victim rather than the cause of pain in our life. And it's important for people that are like this to come to grips with their adult life and understand how much energy it takes for them to maintain this type of anger. You know, ODD has some genetic components, too. So it runs in families and several people in the family may be affected by it and often begins in childhood with powers of rebellion against adults. Their rules and some children with ODD, which originally was just childhood disorder, outgrow the condition by age eight or nine. But about half of them continue to experience the symptoms of ODD through their adulthood and then they carry it. And that's called your inner child. And so when people see authority, they take that childish stance and they grab on to all the symptomology that we're going to talk about here. And so they feel this anger and about 40% of them become progressively worse and develop an antisocial personality disorder, which basically means they're out to hurt people. And so, you know, you've got to come to grips with this thing. You know, if your spouse seems to be overly argumentative or your roommate is unnecessarily hostile, these are common manifestations of ODD and these, these folks, they always need to win the argument. With a parent or a spouse, they continue to fight against the authority figures and society. They even do conspiracy theories uh, to back their own perspective. They, they uh, leave socks on the floor just because they know it annoys somebody. They're, they're, they're cited for disorderly conduct sometimes by police. They involve in bar brawls, physical altercations, hair trigger temper. You know, the littlest thing can set them off. And this goes for guys and girls and transgender and everybody, gay, whatever. It's across the board. And, and, and these uh, other uh, manifestations of ODD is they're nearly constant arguments with anybody in authority or they're whining about them to everybody else and driving everybody crazy and they're gossiping. Also, they, com- they feel oppressed constantly by any rule, any rule that they haven't made. And, and they're proposingly engaging in behaviors that irritate people, uh, you know, like they may make smelly food for lunch just to smell up the office and turn it into a nasty place. You know, they, they, they um, are usually looked at by human resources and on the ri- radar by human resources uh, because they have a lot of heated moments and a lot of violations. And they have meltdowns during meetings. Uh, reviews, especially if it's a critique of their work. And so it's really important to grab onto this person and understand, do I have people like this in my life? Because these folks are toxic. They have difficulty dealing with authority figures, and it's a common reason people enter counseling. And it shows up in a whole lot of different ways. Some go from job to job because they can't handle, let's say, their boss. Or or the pattern usually is repeated in their dealings with others in authority, like a doctor. They they refuse to do what the doctor says. They don't want to do what the police says. Uh, they, they're not going to follow a rule at a restaurant. I mean, there's all kinds of ways in which people defy authority. And we're going to go deeper into those characteristics, but we're also going to describe people in our social life and how that operates in our social life in very obvious and subtle ways. So come back
0: friend us on facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world voice america empowerment dr gary bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone skype or in person in the seattle area Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right. We're talking about uh, common characteristics of people with oppositional defiance, which we have blatantly in our face every day of our life. If you turn on the television, the radio, whatever, somebody's going to do something stupid. And it's always out there. Way out in outer space type of behavior, and then people line behind it, and then the media gets behind it, and basically, it's just a bunch of propaganda that we we are witnessing. Uh, basically, the news is is uh, <laughs> social media uh, rules, and so people can say and do just about anything, and they think that's cool. And it's sad. It's sad because it lacks respect. It lacks and it lacks common sense. It, lasts, it, it lacks the ability to relate to each other. It's it's radical. It means that you feel insecure and you're not able to be heard. Can't you be constructive and try to figure out how to be heard? Because people are not going to listen to lunatics. It's just crazy. And, and, and it's sad. But, uh, you know, I, but I call it job security, quite frankly, because <laughs> your counseling sessions are much heavier these days because of all this craziness. So, some people unconsciously express their authority issues in subtle ways, too. Uh, You know, for instance, they could be overly deferential towards authority figures or they have a problem saying no, and they're usually the ones staying late because they've taken on too much. You know, others reveal themselves and how they exercise their own authority in dealings with students or subordinates or clients. You know, if you've seen, uh, uh, like, the show The Office… That is a, a, a toxic environment, to say the least. But but if you have these issues, you'll find yourself responding in appropriate ways to authorities. And you may find yourself fluctuating between overcompliance and hostility, which is basically called passive-aggressive. And, and uh, you know, if you're a your boss... You might want to realize how your use of authority replays the same drama you experienced as a child. So when we say we have issues with authority, it means we have difficulty with people who wield power over us. You know, this could be our boss. This could also be someone with higher social status or anyone who has something we want or the power to withhold it. You know, psychologically speaking, authorities have only as much power over us as we give them. And and you see, it isn't the way we think about authority, though it's a certain part of it. The trouble lies in the way we feel about authority. And unfortunately, people that respond to authority with their feelings are often not going to be heard because they don't make sense. We need to address authority with respect and input and so they can be successfully and they can lead us. And quite frankly, it's important to have somebody who can lead because they can bring out the talents in everyone, just like Socratic learning. Socratic learning, the Greeks used to sit on the steps and talk to each other and bring their own learning to each other. But one of the philosophers would guide the conversation and then all the others would contribute and they would learn from each other. And that's what a great leader does. They pull together talent and make an organization work. You know, uh, the first authority figures in your life are your parents or your caretakers. And, and, and it, you know, that's it. It goes all the way back to mom and dad. Um, and so, you know, you can't blame them. They were just, you know, passing on whatever they knew consciously. The only thing you can do as a parent is good enough. Nobody's taught how to be a parent but by their their parents, and sadly, their parents uh, don't fit in today's time. So the rules that they 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 uh, operated by when you grew up are not the rules in which children are growing up today. So there's no role model. And that's why premarital counseling is such a good idea. And that's why counseling itself can be a good idea to get a marriage back on track. You know, our feelings about authority are governed primarily about are implicit memories from childhood, and they emerge through our interactions with our parents in early years, and that's why so many times people respond with their feelings rather than their thoughts. Wake up, get into your adult life, stop acting like a child, and start listening, and look at every single person as somebody that can contribute to a better good in your life and you and their life. We all need to learn to live for each other and be humble, humble. God forbid people look at humble as weak. Humble means you're willing to look at your own flaws, look at your own strengths, and offer your strengths to other people and be honest with yourself. You know, uh, if, if people uh, had ambivalent or conflicted feelings about authority figures, they probably had that about their parents. And so that, you know, the, you, you most certainly pick them up in that time period. It may be that you were abused at school or brolied at school. So now you view authority as that. And those people are deeply insecure terrible people who have horrible lives at home and these kids that abuse and bully other kids are just showing how deeply insecure they are because they need power to try to show how much fear they can create in another child. And and that shows that they need power because they have no power at home and they know that. You know, an implicit memory is an automatically experienced; It isn't intentionally recalled, but the feelings and the reactions you have are the outgrowth and the culmination of a lot of previous memories uh, memories with authority figures. And so it's kind of like automatic thought and automatic response. And then we try to justify the response that, oh, it's okay if I I have a problem with this person because this person is flawed. They did this, they did this, they did this. You know, God forbid you look at the good that someone has done. And it's important to do that because you don't want to come from that inner child at six years old that was defying their parents and do that in your adult life, you'll never ever have a stable life. You have got to come at life if you want from a calm, listening perspective and willing to listen to other people and interact with other people. It's so important that we are interactive species, we're social species, and we have to understand that we depend on each other. And it's important for us to not just blatantly, like a six-year-old, go after authority and destroy so many organizations that can do good because you have a problem controlling your maturity. And that in itself is happening all over the place. And it's going completely unchecked by the media, by politics, by the world, because they keep justifying all this heinous actions that people are committing, disrespecting people who are too afraid to say anything. And a lot of people are afraid to say anything because they don't want that anger and retribution coming out at them because they see all these nut jobs on TV uh, uh, giving opinions rather than speaking about the news. And and it's so sad. You know, authority issues often arise from our feeling states. They're not effectively changed by the left brain criticism or or admonition you know we need to feel how and where these states arise in the body that's a right brain strategy and then move into experiencing something new in that moment you know And, and you can learn from anything i know in this COVID environment I've learned enormous things about myself, my family, how I carry myself, how I communicate, how I deal with people. And and I know there's areas that I have to adjust and adapt. And I know there's opinions that I don't agree with, that I I boxed out, that I need to hear. I just need to hear. And when people don't feel heard, they go crazy. And, And that even means they need to be heard when they're saying things that they feel rather than they think. It's important. To validate that doesn't mean you agree with it, but you can certainly validate it because the minute you do, they feel heard and they don't have to be so dramatic and silly and and overstate their cases. You know, given how profoundly rebellion against authority has shaped our culture, and this started back in the 60s, how it has become accepted as a norm in many ways, especially within political liberal circles, it's easy to forget that authority also has social value. And without authority to curb our antisocial tendencies, anarchy would prevail if everyone did whatever they wanted without regard to restrictions imposed on social order. Civilization could not exist. We could not. You know, the only reason that countries thrive in science, in technology, in business is they're safe. That's the only reason. And if you throw away safety, you are throwing away the ability for people to have steady, deep thought that can contribute to other people's lives and make life better. You are destroying the foundation of what education is about. You're destroying the foundation of what makes civilization thrive and evolve into something even greater. But if we throw all the safety away, We're going to be a third world country and we are going to lose the primal existence of who we are and who we have been. And if we throw away our history, we're going to lose the lessons that we have already learned and then go out there and have to relearn them in a nasty, uh, uh, convoluted, strange way. And it's sad, but this is the way people are working with each other these days with, you know, if everyone did whatever they want you know, civilization would be a mess. Uh, Another kind of authority comes with the accumulation of experience. And in its best expression, authority tries to pass along the lessons of experience so that the next generation doesn't have to start from scratch and learn everything all over again. And this is a very large part of parenting. We teach our children what our parents taught us, as well as what we may have learned in our own lifetimes, and hopefully we don't teach everything our parents taught us because that—I learned some pretty bad stuff when I was a kid. But you know, it, you know, the, the large part of parenting, we teach our children how to how our parents taught us and 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 what we learned and about how to navigate the challenges and frustrations of existence and to manage ourselves and our relationships, to work, to play, to find meaning in our lives. You know, if you look at an ADHD child, what makes an ADHD child calm down? It's structure. Structure. Structure, structure, structure. And the more you create structure, the more they feel loved. Because now they know what's going to happen from one minute to the next, and they're not afraid that their impulses are going to get them in trouble. And it's amazing. We as people need structure in our life in order to feel safe and to thrive. You know, that is a part of what it is to be a human. A large part of parenting involves the word no. No, you can't beat the dog. No, you can't scratch the walls. No, you can't run into the street. You know, uh, uh, no, you can't... uh, Stick that paper clip in the electric socket. You know, children, especially very small ones, have no idea about the dangers of the world. And by exerting their authority to curb dangerous impulses, parents teach their children about these dangers. By imposing other limitations such as bedtimes, homework before play rules... Uh, good eating habits, parents also help their kids learn how to take care of themselves. You know, thoughtful rules imposed with concern encourage the development of self control and self discipline. And that is the biggest thing. If someone creates a, ru- a, a rule, your real thought, the real constructive thought, should be what is their intention? And ask that question what is the intention of this idea? And if you get that, <laughs> 99% of the time, it may not be what you would have done, but it has a really good intention. And that's called the land of forgiveness. And people that live with forgiveness learn how to examine intentions. And so they don't presume that someone is doing something bad to hurt people. And so to do that, to, to, to find forgiveness, what makes you decide to create CHOP in Seattle? How did you decide that that was a good idea? You know, what were you trying to create? Now we understand there probably was great intentions, great intentions, bad implementation. And and that's what we've got to understand. If there's no plan to go after, no, no steady plan of leadership to go after to solve and create rules, then there is no structure and people just disintegrate. You know, some people rebelled in the 60s and the 70s threw the baby out with the bathwater. They rejected about every aspect of the status quo as if the status quo had no value. They believed they could create a new social order from scratch, free from all the hangups of their parents' generation and every other one that preceded it, unrestrained by any kind of authority, monogamy, family life, career. All of that got thrown out the door. And these uh, bourgeois ideas were looked at as negative and they were rejected. While the idealism of that generation led to so many worthwhile changes, you know, the confused rejection of all forms of authority led many people to waste years pursuing their dreams. That means that a lot of people did not self-actuate. They did not self-actuate. And, and, and that means create who they are, because they were a part of a group think. They were a part of a bunch of people who felt like they all knew what was right and wrong and la-da-da. You know, some people dropped out of school. Some people lived in communes for years. Um, some of them were taught painful lessons, and, and, and then they were returned to society and, and then tried to way to express our idealism within the real world and and they and they really didn't assimilate very well into the culture and there's an anger because now they feel as if they since they rebelled now they feel as if they're outsiders some people flip-flop they go right back into society and follow the rules because they learned the lesson you never know but many parents make absolutely awful authorities they teach us a maladaptive ways of coping they pass along repressive values they pass along bad habits they, they use reflective uh, negative episodes in their life to overcompensate with their children. And it, it can be really sad. And kids know that. They, they understand when they have an authoritarian parent who's overruling them and, and basically neglecting and abusing them for their own good just to get what they want. And there's a lot of kids who don't get parented. And that's why we have what's called foster care and adoption. It, it, every kid deserves to have a parent. Unfortunately... Many parents are breeding stock. They can breed, but they can't parent and they won't learn the job. And it is a learning experience. And it's really wise if you're going to be a parent to learn how to be a parent. If you don't invest in that, the product of the child that you're going to have that's going to go out into life is going to be warped and going to have to create their own social values, their own value system, because the one you taught them Warp them and they may never get out of that pattern or they may go through years of therapy or they may go through months of therapy and finally come to realize they need to grow up and stand up and understand what's right and what's wrong and what they're doing wrong, how they're contributing to negative situations and change it. You know, think of how you viewed your parents as authority figures. Do you respect them? The bottom line is if you're an adult, you need to view your parent as another person you need to stop looking at them as mom or dad that is going to mess you up they're not mom or dad anymore they may have been your mom and dad but you're an adult you need to view them as their person and that's where you're going to learn to forgive your parents cuz nobody's going to do perfect you know do you ridicule them if even if you were you know deficient can you remember ways in which they tried to exert a positive influence on your life are you grateful that they tried even if they failed, you know, your, mo- your, your own emotional absent father may have an, had an authoritarian pan- uh, parenting style. Maybe it was the best thing that they were absent. You never know. You never know. All right. You know, let's go back. We're going to talk a little bit more about social contacts, and then we're going to talk about relationships and how that defiance can work in relationships and how you can figure out whether you're in a relationship like that and how to fix it. Come back.
0: Your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area.
1: Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse
0: for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives.
1: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest...
1: Welcome back, everybody. You know, if you look at the essence of what makes people live in their anger so much is it's so easy to look around us and see stupidity. And, and you know, quite frankly, I think stupidity should be a diagnosis that's not able to be medicated. But it's a di- I believe it's a diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> but you know people do stupid things I know I do stupid things I've done so many stupid things I, I can't even believe I've done some, I'm, it's just embarrassing to think of some of the dumb things I've done in my life but you know the bottom line is we all do stupid but angry people have a tendency to collect stupid and then label people based on stupid they don't look at the fact that they do stupid things too and actually the behavior that they're doing is stupid um, and so they're mad at themselves too Um, But sadly, a lot of people keep that fuel going because they just have to look for what is insecure in this world, which is all the dumb things that people do. And we just focus on that and focus on that, but we lose the positive. You know, did you ever have like a teacher who inspired you with their intelligence, their humor, their insight? You know, I had this incredible uh, uh, drama teacher when I was in high school, Mr. Clark, and he inspired so many of us that were in theater, and it was weird because uh, I went to University of Evansville in Indiana, and when I went to college, I went there to go to be in drama, and I happened to tell the kids that I was friends with in the drama department, hey, I like this school. It's supposed to be a really good theater department, blah, blah, blah. I went away to Houston to see my sister for the summer and to work, went back Started at the University of Evansville, and all my friends were there, too. Uh, all the people that I went to high school with were actually in the same uh, – uh, applied to the same university and went and spent time in that department. And that, that Mr. Clark basically uh, influenced enormously at least eight people's lives – by how he loved theater and how he created really good plays with us. We were not any different than any other high school students, but he could make a play happen and bring out the best in us and bring out the best in our characters through us. And he was such a great man and he influenced so many people in in so many different ways. And, and there's people out there that are running theaters now that, that he taught in high school. And I'm so Proud to have been a part of that life experience, and that was a great experience. I got to be an actor for five years. That was a wonderful experience, too, until I I discovered money. Um, One of the hardest experiences to cope with is submission to authority that that feels unjust, and this often occurs in the workplace. Do Do you have a boss whose authority you resent? You know, how do you express your resentment? Can you think in ways in which they may uh, uh, have some glaring faults, but they may have a positiveness to them? You know, reflect on that. And what about yourself as an authority? Like many parents, it, it, it's it, you may be shocked, but I've said things to my kids like, because I said so. <laughs> You know, coming out of my mouth. But sometimes, given the challenges of functioning as authority, uh, what is badly needed is submission. And so, to be an authority and to feel continual rebellion against authority is a really contradictive and draining challenges. But one of our goals is to lead a happy, fulfilling life, learning. To understand the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationship dynamics, it's a critical first step because no one deserves to be trapped in a toxic relationship. The trademark of healthy relationships is there's a balance of power. There's a a, a, a real, true desire to hear each other's perspective of the truth and not feel that we own the only truth, you know, it, 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 there's, a, there's a meaning. That, that one person doesn't have a total control of the relationship. And any good leader offers this kind of environment. They also, uh, uh, no one just calls all the shots. Rather, both partners are able to contribute their thoughts, their opinions, their feelings equally. You know, our power in relationships comes from our ability to make empowered choices about them and to delegate to each other based on your strengths. And this goes the same way with work. You know, feel like our advocacy For those choices is listened to, trusted, respected, valued by our partners. By the way, any good leader is going to seek people that have more knowledge than they do about any topic that they have to make decisions on. Leaders who make decisions without the ability to learn from others who are experts in certain areas are foolish, are foolish, but it doesn't mean that if you seek an expert, you're going to do what they tell you. But it is important to understand to gather more perspective, more of a three dimensional, four dimensional perspective around the decision that you're going to make and how it may impact other people. You know, um, it's important when in a relationships, power balance is out of whack, we lose our ability to affect the desired changes. And we don't feel at home. We don't feel at home at work. We don't feel at home at home. We feel out of balance. We feel, uh, if, if we feel mutually loved and supported, typically this leads to more knowledge, more happiness, more sense of peace. And if we ingrind ourselves and learn how to be peaceful people, you're going to want more of that because when you're at peace, you have access to all of your emotions, When you're at peace, you have the ability to have what's called intuition, and that means to read deeper into something. Wise people find peace in their life. People who live in their anger have very limited emotional intelligence. They have very little emotional resources to motivate them. And if they're not angry, that's the only way, the anger is the only way they can get hard things accomplished. And by the way, emotions are meant to be the fuel to help you do hard things, good ideas. When you get emotional behind it, like how is this going to help other people? That's a very powerful emotion. If you see it helping other people, you're going to want to, you'll fail as many times as possible to complete something hard that's going to help other people because you passionately want to help other people. That's an emotion. Very important that we use our emotions to get us through good ideas and do hard things and not procrastinate. But people that just have ideas with no fuel, with no emotion behind it, they procrastinate and then it eventually dies. The world has had millions of great ideas, but unfortunately the person had no emotion behind it And so it never got implemented and it could have helped so many people. But that's the way life is because people live in anger. They limit their emotions and they have no reservoir outside of the anger to draw from. You know, how can you tell your relationship dynamic needs work? This is important. Number one is you don't feel comfortable speaking up for yourself in a relationship. If that's the problem, you know, and a healthy partnership, both people should feel comfortable expressing their opinions when necessary, speaking up for themselves. You know, so what that might mean is you feel uncomfortable doing that. And a big reason you don't speak up for yourself is because you fear your partner will reject that part of you. Is it really your partner that makes you uh, feel fear them? Or is it really just a pattern you developed in your life and in your childhood? Or, or you feel like they're going to retaliate against you in some way. Uh, or they have outsized control over you. You can't get to your core needs met and advocate for aspects of the relationship that are important to you. If you feel that much disempowered, you have to recognize that idea was arrived within your own brain. And if you truly have a partner that is not willing to hear you for the rest of your life, then it's time to go. It's time to go. You know, And that's the realistic element of it people that stay married in relationships for 60 years have at one point rejected their partner said you if you're going to be messing with that girl down the street or talking to that lady down the street who I don't like and I don't think she's a trustable person then you've decided that you want a divorce and that's important for us to set boundaries with each other, to, to say what behavior works and what behavior doesn't work. And that's called fighting for your marriage. When you're in a relationship of any kind, whether it's work or your marriage, any kind of conflict is a desire to heal the relationship and make it better. It's not about destroying each other and hurting each other. And so many people get defensive in relationships instead of become. Listeners become adults. They want to parent each other as if they're both little children, but they don't want to hear each other as adults. And that's silly. If you're going to be in a relationship, you need to bring your adult self, your listening self, your humble self. They all, you know, if you're with somebody that's always got to have the last word in an argument, you know, everybody, you know. From time to time, gets in arguments. But if this person always has to be the last word, that's usually somebody that has a ton of anger. You know, healthy couples fight fair. You know, they don't really care about r- resolving an underlying issue, they care about being right and, and ending the conflict in a way that gives them the upper hand. That's not healthy. Also, uh, uh, these people who are angry and hate authority, they don't take your feelings into account when they make decisions. And one of the responsibilities of being in a relationship is talk, taking your partner's feelings into account, not just your own. And if your partner makes decisions without getting your input, that is unhealthy. You know, if your partner regularly makes relationships decisions without consulting you or incorporating your needs, desires, preferences, into that process, they care more about getting their way than they do about creating harmony in the relationship. That is a poor uh, ingredient of a relationship. Also, if they don't listen to you, if they don't respect you, you know a relationship can't survive. And then, and when I'm talking about relationship, I'm including work, by the way, guys. I'm including your friends. I'm including. Anybody that you vest any time with in your life. You know, we when we work, we spend eight hours with people, which is often more time we spend with our kids or our family. You know, uh, you need to have a foundation of mutual listening and respect. And if your partner doesn't seem to have that respect for you that you have for them, that it's likely going to be a problem. Also, if you feel, you know, marriage, uh, any relationship where you feel trapped like a job that you're, you're overpaid and your family depends on you, you know, and now you're trapped in it, you're always going to feel lonely. If you're feeling trapped in your marriage, you're going to be lonely. And when people are lonely, they do crazy stuff. And when you're in a healthy relationship, even when times are tough, you should always feel connected to your partner. So, you know, if you feel alone in your relationship, that doesn't bode well. You know, uh, uh, also another sign that you're with somebody who hates authority that you're in a relationship with. They physically intimidate you. You know, it should go without saying, but physical violence and threats of physical violence are never acceptable in a relationship. And 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 if you're going to spank your kids, you never do it out of anger. You do it to teach, and you don't do it with a with an object. You have to do it with your hand. It's it's called capital punishment, guys. You know, and. and, and also, if you're with somebody that requires you to meet their needs, but they don't care about yours, well, guess what? We're basically describing a narcissist, and narcissists are very hard to change because they are not humble enough to even know how they impact other people because they could care less. You know, uh, if, if you're regularly disappointed and they're regularly content, that should give you a sign that, that they haven't a clue. They haven't a clue about you. And do you want to go through life without having any recognition of who you are or only a negative portrait of who you are based on them? You know, if you find yourself taking responsibility for parts of the relationship that belong to them, that means you're becoming codependent and you're propping them up. And teaching them that what they're doing is okay. And this is what people that have problems with authority, how they operate in relationships, they're always defying and they're always worried more about themselves. You know, uh, uh, if they care more about their their experience in, during sex, that tells you a lot. You know, you do more of the work in the relationship. That should tell you a lot. You know, it's important to resolve. But it's really deeply important for us to learn how to listen and how to be honest with ourselves and how to begin to resolve problems. And that has to do, once again, everything to do with examining intentions, not beating on negative outcomes. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that through our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, Never underestimate the power of an angry woman. Also remember, if you hate cops so much, next time you need help, call a crackhead. You know, finders keepers is not a legal principle. It only works at an Easter egg hunt. Thanks for listening.
0: That's our show for this week.